Hey, hey, hey! You made it to the Ash and Ivy show where we get to be friends. My name is Riley, and this is just all about creating space to talk about what's going on in life. All the things. The Ash, the Ivy, it all belongs, and we're ready for it. I believe God shows up in every single one of our lives in unique ways. It's so beautiful. It's so fun to experience. Listen, we can create lives that light us up and we can do it together. Let's go. Hi, friends. Hi, listeners. I am coming on this morning and just filled up with the word from God and excited to share it. But also, just as I begin, uh, just kind of feeling the weight of the importance of this platform and being able to share my voice and share what God is doing and just desiring blessing for you, just know that I hear what you're saying, I see what you're going through, and I care so deeply And God cares deeply, and He sees, and He knows. And there's such goodness in the truth. There's so much goodness in coming together and filling your mind with reminders of who He is, you know? And so right now, I just pray. Father, I pray for every listener. I just ask that you flood her heart with peace. I pray that you fill her space wherever she is, in her home, in her kitchen, in her bedroom, at the table, in her car, that you would just surround her with goodness and with truth that she is held by you and that there's nothing that she can do or ever has done that would take you away from her. And so I just ask that you flood her with relief with fresh air, with deep breath, and with love. Amen. So true talk, I turned on my mic. I bought this fancy mic, you know, for recording this podcast. And that's probably, it was super difficult to figure out how to use it. And I'm pretty sure I've been recording these podcasts with it actually not even working. So I just talk into it and it's not actually doing anything. (laughs) So today I, maybe I sound better. Do I sound different? I don't know. But we're talking about Easter today. It seems like there's a lot of talk in the air about who Jesus was. What would he do? How would he handle this? Sometimes it's like, why didn't he give us an example of this? So we would know what to do in our current dilemmas. So I recently read this clip from a book called The Blue Parakeet, and I immediately put that book in my wish list. I think that's what it was called. Maybe I should have looked that up. But it talked about taking the tradition of what the Bible says, but also understanding how each story in the Bible demonstrates how God uses the vernacular of the people in the current situation. He matches their life or embeds himself in their midst, right? It makes so much sense. We have to take the truths of God and apply them to our current situation with discernment because the Bible is not written in 2021. Most of us don't have sheep, right? But we can learn a lot from the Bible's teachings. 
One of my favorite books is called Bruchko. I've probably talked about it before because it really changed my life. But a missionary lives in this tribe for years before he learns enough about the tribe to be able to speak about Jesus within the tribe language. And I don't mean he learned the words. It's more than the language. It's their concepts. And so they were finally able to see him as a savior for them, opposed to being offered this westernized God and like having to assimilate into an American Christian life. Does that make sense? So anyway, who is Jesus? It's just this question that I have, and and I know him well when I recently kind of spent some time asking that. I heard him say, you know me, you know me, and I do, but I want to know him in that tribe, and I want to know him in different places, and what? how does he embed himself? And, it, and it's portrayed all throughout the Bible. It's so, so fascinating. So anyway, as we celebrate Easter, you know, we do tend to kind of reflect on the life of Jesus and the loss of Jesus. And we put ourselves in the shoes of those followers, his friends, and they thought it was over. Like they thought they had lost this bigger battle, this cultural fight, but also the the loss of their favorite person. It was an immense tragedy. Jesus had come in and just changed everything. Like I think of him like the friend who makes everyone feel like the favorite. He sees the person. He speaks life into you. He cares. He pauses. He's not rushed. And yet this tragedy happens where there's darkness over the earth and heaven is literally stripped from our reach. They didn't... This is... This kind of stops me in my tracks this morning when I kind of had this thought. Like... They had been experiencing heaven on earth with Jesus, right? Like, literally, Jesus was heaven on earth. We pray for that uh, kingdom come, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's exactly what that time was. And the truth is, I just want to jump to it. I'm going off script completely, but the truth is, We have that now. Spoiler alert. Like, we have heaven on earth now in our spirit, and and we've been given that gift. And oh, it's so good. It's such good news. So, but their days were filled with purpose, right? They'd been, they'd had Jesus right there, hand in hand. Their life was just filled with loving people and making a difference. And then all of a sudden, nothing, like barren, without hope, feeling like it's all over. This is it. The three years were too short. Maybe they felt like it's too late and we've missed our chance. And maybe all we're left are just clinging to those better days, those memories. We can relate to that tragedy. I want to look at Jesus' life, okay? Just Jesus coming and living in the midst of trouble. Every instance of Jesus that we get to see I wish we could see them all, but we're given a few. He's walking with, crying with, laughing with, eating with, stopping, calling your name. He's not some 
great God who's in the clouds checking your behavior, ready to punish, right? And I, I know that sounds crazy. Like we know, yeah, he's close. And we, we hear that and we talk about that. But a lot of people feel that way. Like he's this great big God who's scary and like they're being punished. I've wondered similar things in my own life. Like I'll say something in my mind like, well, I think this is just a consequence of my choices. I guess I'm just going to have to live with this. And there are natural consequences, right? If you don't study, you don't get to just pray for an A and make an A. Like God's not a genie. You can't expect your husband to be a traveling adventure if that isn't the husband you chose. (laughs) Oops, that might have been too personal, but it's a natural consequence. It's not a punishment. It's your choice, right? There's a difference. I know those are silly examples and there are much harder, more complex things to figure out. I've asked myself about certain things many times. Is this happening because of something I did? But Jesus shows us that he wants to be with us in the mess, in the struggle, in the day-to-day. Let's look at one of my favorites. It's when Jesus takes the time to stop and heal the woman with the bleeding issue. It's in Matthew 9. And I just have, I just want to think about it. Like, really get into the story. Really think about it. Was she seen as unclean, an outcast for all those years, 12 years? Was she filled with shame? Was her life on hold? Was she missing out? Did she ever, like, maybe try to hide it and just act normal? Like, she was in the crowd that day, right? Was that a risk? Could she walk into a space with her head held high and proud and confident? I don't think so. I don't think so. But we do that. We, we hide. We want to just be happy. We want to just fit in. Let's not make a scene. Like, so I want to explore this idea. He called her daughter. And this is a big deal. I am no theologian. I don't write commentary. Like, this is literally just what I think. But Jesus is on his way to heal someone else's daughter, right? Someone important's daughter, and then a daughter who is also important, if that made any sense. A daughter has ways of being loved that I think are pretty unique from anything else. I had someone laugh at me one time, just teasing, but he he's laughing and hysterically, mind you, he said, every time your dad talks about you, he tears up. <laughs> and of course I didn't admit it, but I'm like, you know, oh, that's sweet. And yes, he does. And and of course that that guy was teasing, but he was enjoying my dad's soft spot. But that's love. That moment when despite the hardness of life or the rush or the pressing issues, you stop because your daughter needs you. You soften at the thought of her. Jairus felt that way for his daughter, and Jesus was rushing to get there. Well, at least the disciples were rushing there, but Jesus felt the need and the call of another daughter, one who'd been hiding for so long in shame. Unworthy to be rushed to, maybe not covered by a dad, maybe too old, maybe too far gone, 
I don't know. But Jesus called her. He named her daughter. He he owned her, like not like a master servant, but he took ownership of her. Like he takes responsibility for her through his choice. He chose her. He claimed her despite the rejection from others, despite what she deserved. He was proud of her. Unlike a toddler screaming in the grocery store and you just want to hide because everyone's judging how terrible a parent you are. Like, no, not like that. Like he wanted to be with her. He covered her with gentle affection, completely healing her. That is the absurdity of Easter, that we have this tragedy. You know, like like those people on the hill, not understanding how their, their king, their lord, their friend was just killed when they'd only had him for three years. Okay, so let's pause there for a second. I was studying for a world history exam this week with Grayson. Now, this is honest. My family's caught on to the fact that I retained pretty much, well, nothing from school. Like I made the A's. I, I fairly enjoyed school, I think. I don't know, but I couldn't tell you anything about a war or a mountain or a monarchy. Like I literally have no idea. It's humiliating. Sometimes <laughs> I just hold my phone in my lap under the dining room table so I can Google a quick fact so I can participate or so I can like nod at least and fake understanding. But so anyway, this week we were studying world history with Gray and uh, we were studying the rise of Christianity and somehow the secular definition of the purpose of Christianity, it just comforted me. It comforted my heart because I feel like there's so much strife right now among Christians. And uh, the definition said, it is a religion of embracing everyone and lifting the lowly. Is that what we're known for? (sighs) I hope so. That's what we should be known for. And then there's this, well, there's just the traditional things that we all hold dear and we're taught. And then I guess there are people who are saying that there's something new or modern or different about the way we should be loving and accepting all now. And, and it's just a mess. It, it's hard. But we do, we do love all and we do embrace everyone and offer the good news because we're too familiar with that tragedy. So I read someone's post. It said, Easter was so anchored to a bloody narrative that it is triggering for so many of us. Redeeming Easter takes time. Be kind to yourself. Resurrection doesn't always happen in three days. I don't know why this post unsettled me so much. I'm a pretty open-minded person. I can give most opinions, some credit, but this one just made me feel icky. And I think it's because I do put myself in the shoes of those who were walking with Jesus and, and I can feel their suffering because it's a suffering we feel living in our own world. And I'm pretty sure they would tell the tragedy just like it happened. And it's important that we be able to realize the tragedy of our lives and admit we have a need for a savior. Jesus didn't 
dangle hope or that embrace or his presence just for it to be lost. It's quite the opposite, right? Like we need to let that bloody narrative trigger our salvation, our decision to choose life. Is it hard to watch? Is it hard to understand or bear the pain? Of course it is. Like, it's hard to watch our family members and our friends face their pain too, like extremely hard. There's this book I've been, I've read. It's by Frederick Beekner. It's called, he calls the gospel um, a tragedy, a comedy, and a fairy tale. I highly recommend it. I've struggled through reading it, but I've loved it. I've taken lots of notes. It's called Telling the Truth. And it's just this idea that we are well acquainted with the tragedies of life. You know, a broken marriage, a lost son or daughter, sickness, emptiness, isolation. And I've spent a long time believing that most people have it together. And and while a lot of us do walk in the wholeness that Jesus gives and we've we're quick to forgive and we choose happiness and we press on, we discover the truth, we seek healing. Those things aren't fake and they're not wrong, but I also recognize the closer I look that everyone has stuff they're dealing with, right? And I can be really quick to judge someone, but the more I'm learning is that they're just not sharing the whole story. We have hidden things. We have hurts and fears. We're carrying the burden, the weight of so many things. And this is what Easter is about. This is the gospel. The gospel includes the tragedy, the comedy, and the fairy tale. The resurrection did happen in three days. That veil was torn, giving us full access to God, full access to wholeness, to miracle, to the impossible. And the good news is that Jesus came back to life with a promise to be with you always, walking in your midst. Like he brings resurrection for all things. Does it make sense? Not always, but he redeems every hidden and dark place. And when you choose him, he sends the Holy Spirit to walk with you and comfort you and be with you through the hard things, not alone. And that is quite the comedy. We can laugh in relief that we're not abandoned or left to our own doings. He's redeeming. He's restoring. He's covering. There's nothing too far gone. He makes all things new. All things new. Happy Easter, friend. I'm cheering for new life for you. Wow, this stuff lights me up every time. And I want to hear from you. It's your turn. So listen, first, I want to thank you for subscribing to this podcast. That means the world to me. Reviewing and sharing the show is the best way to help it grow and is the greatest gift to me. So if you like what you hear, please pop it in your stories and tag me. Thanks.